0: Father, I pray as we open up your word this morning and have a look at something that you've been laying on my heart. I pray, Lord, that you would grant wisdom and instruction, grant understanding and grant, Lord, the ability for the very crux of this, the word, the ability to hear. Hear what you're saying, that we may be taken perhaps one more step closer you, or one more step into maturity in you. So Father, I pray that your spirit is present, would teach us and lead us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now despite what you think about the man, whether you're either for him or against him or got no idea, Donald Trump surely has made a mark on the world. And he's got things stirring. You know, and people seem to either love him or hate him. You know, and one of his latest announcements, well, we're going to put uh, our embassy in Jerusalem. Therefore, make Jerusalem, really we're identifying that's going to be the capital of Israel. Who cares whether the world likes it or not, that's what we're going to do. By the way, nearly... Uh, Was it two hundred and fifty billion quarter of a trillion dollars we 're not going to give it to u n because you 've just spent the last bunch of years slamming us, so whether that 's right or wrong, whatever it is, it is what he 's doing, and it 's got the world stirring, and people are either confused by it they 're agitated by it they 're nervous by it they 're excited by it i mean don 't have to spend too long on facebook you 'll see all sorts of postings about it, but the point is. Whatever happens in the world, that's not where our heart is firmly planted. It certainly shouldn't be. And in history, if we look back, whether, whether Trump is, is actually um, being moved by the hand of God or not, I'll reserve my, my uh, opinions on that. But if we look back in history... Uh, Cyrus wasn't exactly an example of the model life. Yet he was prophesied as being used as the hand of God to achieve and accomplish his end. Nebuchadnezzar, not my ideal guy that I'm going to form my life on. Yet he was used of the Lord to achieve his ends. And so the important thing for us is to understand stuff will happen in the world that's actually been prophesied. And it shouldn't catch us out or make us nervous or scared. What it should do is drive us back into the word, and say, oh, this is something that you said would happen. In fact, while we were worshipping before, I just realised the season that we're, we're just in, Jesus Christ was born somewhat. Calendar date's a little bit jumbled up here, but we'll work with it. And so we, we celebrate the saying that a virgin has given birth. Now, something that I experienced in the office Relatively recently was a, a bit of a knife in the back. It was pointed at me. Um, well, you think she could have come up with some better excuse than this, how she got pregnant. You know, that God made me pregnant. What he didn't realize was a prophecy some 2,700odd years ago. in Isaiah chapter 10, I think it is, that the virgin. I'll give you a sign, a virgin will give birth. And this is the whole point, you're missing it. If you go back and you see that prophecy, you'll see that they'll be waiting for this to happen and that's exactly what happened. But not only that, prior to that, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. This is before the prophecy of the Lord even going to exist was put into place. So, the very things, the prophecies of God, God's, God's outside of all of us. He's outside of what's happening in, in the Middle East. He's outside of what's happening in America. He's outside of what's happening in New Zealand. And Sam was praying this morning with us at the pre service prayer, and he, he spoke about a prophecy in Habakkuk, I think it is, where he says, Your glory will, will cover the whole earth. Well, you know, the Lord wants his glory, the same glory that he shares with the Father to be in us. So that glory is in us and that we as his people cover the earth so that his glory will be made manifest through us. But that won't happen if we're grounded in the kingdoms of the earth. We need to be grounded in another kingdom. So what I want to share this morning is not something that we haven't heard before, but I hope my prayer is that the, the scriptures that we look, out and look at and the reality, like I was saying before, about look being honest and looking in the mirror and seeing where I am at, and this is a message for me, you know, not, not out, it's in, that I understand what he has done and how he's leading me into him. And if you're new here, then I would really encourage you to go onto our website, um, www.com.com therock.org.nz, I think I got that right, it's just a favourite on mine so I don't have to type it in, and look for the sermons, and download and have a listen to the messages that have been spoken over the last six years, particularly the one on marriage, a series I think it's about six, and you'll hear the same theme being spoken over and over and over again. I titled the message, The Good News, The Kingdom of God, The Inner Reality. When you hear the phrase or think of sharing the good news, what comes to mind? Most people, from what my experience has been, they'll talk about that Jesus has died for your sins. That you can come to or get to heaven. Jesus is your best friend. They might think of Easter or that you have a relationship with God. Uh, that this is all good news. When I was just sitting on this, and the Lord was stirring in my heart, He's saying, "Well, what was what was Jesus' good news? What was it that He um, started to preach?" To down okay, that Jesus. Um, what was it that He started to speak about? And so when I looked in the in the Gospels, and it said that Jesus uh, then was filled with the Holy Spirit. Still dribbling. (laughs) Give me a bib. Look away, everyone. (laughs) Um, That he, he started to speak of the good news about a kingdom reality that had come. So the means to enter into the good news is good news. It was that Jesus was born, the virgin would give birth, for a purpose that he was going to take the, the sin of the world upon himself, which is further prophesied through Isaiah, and pave the way or make the way that we can now be recipients of the good news. The kingdom of God has come. Just one thing I'd, I'd encourage you. Don't put your hands up. How many have kept a regular time with the Lord over the last week? Because there's all sorts of distractions. Obviously Christmas is pretty hectic and all sorts of stuff happens and we get really busy with family and, and stuff. But how many have kept a regular time with him? You know, as he speaks to me in the morning, he says, I love being with you, Paul. I know you love to be with me. I want you to know that I love being with you. It might, that, boom, shifted something within me that says... I. actually, you love for for me to come and just sit. I'd encourage you to try this throughout the year. Something I've done last year, just as something to to shift how I I normally do my religious routine, (laughs) it to keep it fresh and keep my walk with the Lord fresh, was to read one chapter of Psalms, one chapter of Proverbs, in one chapter out of the book of Isaiah. So 66 books in Isaiah, 31 in Proverbs, 150 in Psalms. You'll get through Psalms twice in a year, Proverbs 12 times, six times the book of Isaiah. And I'll put a challenge to you. See if God doesn't speak to you and align those scriptures as you read them. I I have been astounded how many times I've read through something in Psalms, something in Proverbs that's been confirmed in the book of Isaiah. And even just the other, on the 23rd, I think it was, Psalm 123, I think, it talked, I woke up in the morning and for whatever reason, the announcement that that Trump had declared that Jerusalem was going to be where they were going to put their embassy and all the noise that was created around that, I woke up in the morning and just felt like the Lord saying, "Pray for Israel, uh, pray for Jerusalem, pray for the peace of Jerusalem." And and you must know that there are two things that are, there's both a physical application and a spiritual application about that. The real Jerusalem, it's a spiritual Jerusalem. It's the Jerusalem of faith. Hebrews, think, it is. It speaks of this very clearly that those who are children of our mother. Jerusalem are those of faith with Father God then we're children of that family of faith so there's a spiritual application and a physical Jerusalem actually is a place it actually is there um, so I woke up in the morning and just felt like I was going to pray for the peace of, of Jerusalem hmm that's odd so I prayed opened up the Psalms and what did I read pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The corresponding chapter in Isaiah was all about a prophecy of Jerusalem. So the only reason I bring that up and to say is to, to encourage you to keep regular and feeding and intimacy with God. And I challenge you to do that. So there's different, different things that we might think about around the, the good news but Jesus' declaration was that the kingdom of God has come. Now, have you ever thought he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life? The way where? The truth about what? And the life of what? Well, that was Andy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John fourteen. So, if, you, if you've got your word with us, have a look at John fourteen, one through to six. All righty. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you and to sorry it's all highlighted in I can't read it now to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered I'm the way and the truth and the life and here comes the answer no one comes to the father except through me I believe he's, he's declaring that he is the way to the father. Sometimes you know when I'm um, talking with people or sitting in, in prayer meetings I hear people get confused about who they're going to pray to They're not too sure whether to pray to the Father, to the Son, or to the Holy Spirit. So often they just group it and say, dear God. But what did Jesus do? What was the example that he set for us when he taught the the disciples how to pray? He said, our Father, which is not a, um, or should not have been a foreign concept to them. Right through the Old Testament, God's declaring himself as the Father, to the Israelites. And um, and Jesus also said that when you pray at the moment, you ask me, but a time will come when you will ask the Father directly. This was the whole point with the curtain being rent in two, that we can now have access directly to the throne of grace and to our Heavenly Father. This is the good news, that we've, um, there's a kingdom that we can enter into. There's a few questions, further questions that I'd, I'd written down. Where's the kingdom of God? How do we get there? What is it like? And who's there? I'm not going to answer all of those, but they're good questions, I think, to ponder on, to think about, well, if I've been invited to come into this kingdom, what is it going to be like? You know, there's a journey. I love the prayer this morning. What was it that you, um, that verse that you um, prayed this morning about uh, the servant? Can you remember? Um, he who brings up his servant delicately will have him as a son in the end. Proverbs, yeah. And so that 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 whole point that we might come into the kingdom, and that that we have a father who will raise us delicately. Now, it might that delicately might actually entail some correction. But the point is, we don't come in and oh well, good. Here I am. I'm I'm all perfect. There's a journey that takes place as he's bringing maturity. I have discovered this. Through the hardships of life, I don't have to go looking for them. Life just unveils itself. But as I surrender and recognize, and more so as I'm getting older, my first place call is when something confronts me as I go and I look in the mirror and I say, Father, what are you saying? What is in me that needs to change? What is it in me, my first reaction Lord, that I'm surrendered to you, that in your kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that I might need to change. It's not somewhere uh, external. It's not something that's out there. It's in here. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is within. Now, there's a a book, I think it's called A Road Less Travelled. It's a psychiatrist, I think it was, who wrote it. And he discovered that a lot of people... The problems are you. <laughs> the problems are you. You know, the problems are you. Is it really? Actually, the problem's not out there. The road less travelled is to travel back into my own heart to see actually the problem is here with my own heart. This is something that's not spoken of that often not in these type of services, what I'm about to, to speak to next, often we, we focus on the opposite but these things I'm about to speak to, are in Scripture the first bit is a, a man's adaptation of it, the second part I'll read out of the Scripture but they're there for our learning and for our understanding so that when we look in the mirror we can see, yes Lord or it's okay Lord has anyone ever heard of the the seven deadly sins? Yeah. There's a guy whose name I can't remember. Now these are out of sync. There he is. A guy called Aurelius Clements Prudentus. Probably not a name you're gonna give your kids. <laughs> He wrote these down as a poem, was picked up again in uh, about a couple hundred years later by a guy called Pope Gregory I. And I listed them envy, the desire to have an item or an experience that someone else possesses, gluttony, excessive ongoing consumption of food or drink, greed or avarice, an excessive pursuit of material possessions, lust, an uncontrollable passion or longing. Could be for anything, especially for sexual desires. Pride, excessive view of oneself without regard for others. Sloth, excessive laziness or the failure to act and utilize one's talents. And wrath, the uncontrollable feelings of anger and hatred towards another sin. Sorry, towards another person. Um, so that, that was a nice little list of things that they... That they could write down, and then it gets all a bit weird in the in the way that those are applied, cardinal sins, mortal sins, and all the rest of it that went with it. But the reality is that these become uh, issues of the heart that all sorts of things are wrapped up within them, not just one little thing that says, oh, well, that was envy. So, well, I wasn't envy, so therefore I'm okay. Sin is sin. It's a heart issue before God. The word sin is to fall short. And so often I will, I will trans, uh, transpose the word where it's written sin and simply write, fallen short. I've fallen short of your standard, Father. And the reality is I've actually got no hope in myself of reaching your standard. So I can accept that and I can understand that. What I don't want to do is stay there. So he wrote oh, Aurelius, wrote down a list of virtues to counter these things. Kindness cures envy by placing the desire to help others above the need to, super, to supersede them. Temperance cures gluttony by implanting the desire to be healthy, therefore making one fit to serve others. Charity or love cures greed by putting the desire to help others above storing up treasure For oneself, chastity or self control cures lust by controlling passion and leveraging that energy for the good of others. Humility cures pride by removing one's ego and boastfulness, therefore allowing the attitude of service. Diligence or zeal cures slothfulness by placing the best interests of others above the life of ease and relaxation. Patience cures wrath by taking time to understand the needs and desires of others before acting or speaking. I'll make one thing clear. None of those things actually cures anything, okay? This is what he wrote. And I think he understood something, but I probably wouldn't have chosen the wording cures. It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone that cures everything. These become examples, if you like, of an inner reality that's now being fleshed out. It's Christ that cures the heart issue that's having to deal with envy, gluttony, greed, lust, pride, sloth, and wrath. As Christians, we, we may not say it this way, but so often I've seen that we've tended to rank it. In a, well, you know, I'm not you know, a drug addict, whatever. Gluttony, well, let's not touch on that one. Or slothfulness or laziness, let's not really go, because they're not really problems. And we tend to, to be able to justify things. Well, actually, all of these things sit outside the kingdom of God. They're a reality that is not in the kingdom of God. Here's a biblical list, okay? So Proverbs 6. 16 to 19, turn with me there if you like. Book of Proverbs comes just after Psalms. Book of Psalms comes just before the Book of Proverbs. I don't know if that helps. Proverbs. Six, Sixteen to nineteen. I need a Bible with a bigger print. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him a proud look, a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who sp- who speaks lies, this last one grabs my heart. One who sows discord. And note the last one, part of that. One who sows discord among the brethren. Surely that is not something that takes place In a church, Galatians five, nineteen to twenty one. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The good news is that we're to be in the kingdom of God, not outside of it. Now, when we come into the kingdom of God, these things are part of the makeup of the world that we've been part of. So there's a work that's going to have to be done within us that's going to transform that type of lifestyle into The nature and the character of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control against such things, there is no law. No one is going to want to stop you loving them, being kind to them, being gentle, being patient. That has to be formed within us though and this is the wrestle that so often takes place. And the difficulty that I've found or discovered is that when we say, well, I'm a Christian, and I know that this is the case because this is something that has, that has confronted me, that I've had to look in the mirror, because I would not, would not have described those things as me. Yet when, as I looked in the mirror and read he very much confronted my heart and said, but son, that is you. I need for you to admit that and to be honest with me. Envying, discord among brethren, surely I wouldn't do that. Do we want to have a reality check on that, Paul? Maybe not, I'll just accept that you're telling me, Lord. (laughs) You know, But the honesty to actually be arrested when confronted if somebody says something, what, what stirs within my heart immediately, what sits here? Or, or there may be just the opportunity for me to go and sit with the Lord and say, Lord, what is that? And the Lord might be saying, That's, it's okay, son, I've done that work in you. Or it might be, actually, son, I want you to to confront that with me. Let's journey that one together. So these are things in the kingdom of God we remember God is so for us he wants us, he desires us we, we, we've just gone through the, the whole um, celebrating Christmas thing where if you realise exactly what was being prophesied in Philippians 2 it says that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and held on to firmly, but very secure in who he is and the plan that was about to take place, willingly let go and became one of us. And I challenge you to go and have a look at it. It's Philippians chapter 2, I think it is. And it talks about that he became nothing, being found in human likeness. So compare us to God, here's how we rank. So his love for us being expressed so much that he should become one of us is love enough, let alone that it goes on to say that he suffered even suffered death and death on the cross, that he would then be given a name above every other name which every knee will bow and every tongue confess confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. His love for us is compels us it drives us to him to work these issues within our hearts out it gets even better than that the problem that we had is that there are matters that all the matters of the heart jeremiah 179 to 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each one according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Are we to be one that would lie on our bed at night and say, Father, Lord, here I am. I can come no other way. I've lived my day, and I've I've sought to walk with you, but Lord, examine my heart. See if there be any wicked way within me. Purify me, cleanse me, that I might be holy and righteous, made holy, made righteous, purified by you. That I might know, that I might confess my sin before you and be free from these things, because... I know this; my heart is deceitful above all things. Here is the problem. Here is the reason why Jesus was de- declaring the good news, and he was declare- he declared it specifically to to well, to the people of Israel, but he held accountable the teachers and the Pharisees for something that they should have known. You know that scripture, and I, I spoke to it. I got to stop wondering because I see the cameras trying to follow me around. Sorry, guys. The, the scripture in Isaiah chapter 6, when I mentioned it earlier on, that Isaiah looks up and says, I see the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple. That's, that's a powerful scripture. And in John's gospel, he mentions it to make it clear that this is who, who, that Jesus is the one that Isaiah was prophesying about. But when we look at that scripture, when it goes on to say, in Isaiah 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, remember he says, who will go, and Isaiah sends me. Often we hear that, that call, that message, you know, um, the Lord's calling, who will go, I will send me. Look at the message he had to actually deliver. It wasn't a good news message. It was a hard word. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Heart calloused, ears blocked eyes blind just think about that what is it that we've been praying in our prayer meetings our pre-services in our quiet time at home Certainly as elders, we've been continually praying, Lord, open the eyes of our heart that we might see and hear. Why? Because there's a problem. Now, he didn't leave us there. You know, because that's, that's uh, Isaiah chapter 6. So you go to Isaiah chapter 10. He now gives the prophecy of Christ, the Virgin will give birth, of... Um, uh, uh, Later on in in chapter 60 and 63 comes more prophecy about how he's going to deal with the issues that are mentioned here. But um, the issue still remains the heart because the heart's been hardened. So we all have this problem with a hardened heart that's got to be resolved. We've heard, or perhaps we may not have heard, Um, Ezekiel, chapter 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my, my laws. Just have a look at that. That's Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel chapter 36. So Ezekiel comes after Isaiah. Just jumping back again to those issues of the of the seven deadly sins, but the issues of the sins in our lives. And the good news that Jesus has come says the kingdom of God has come as in a reality that's going to be in placed in you. And this is a transformation work that will take place in here. I'm going to take your heart of stone, your hardened heart, towards God out. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh that is soft towards God. There's an issue that's going to have to take place in the renewing of the mind. Let's have a look. In Ezekiel 36 from about chapter 22, it's a little bit earlier from Acts 20 on, I've counted about 20 times where the Lord says things like this. It starts with saying, first of all, it's not for your sake, it is for my name's sake that I'm going to do these things But for but for the sake of my name. I will show you I will show you, and the world will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, and I show myself holy through you. I will take you. I will gather you. I will sprinkle you. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will move your heart of stone. I will put my new spirit within you. I gave you forefathers. I will be your God. I will call. I will increase. I want you to know, I am not doing this for you, but for my name's sake. I will cleanse. I will resettle. I, the Lord, will, will get the point? <laughs> Who's doing that work? The Lord is. Who's doing the work in here? When we look, when we're confronted with the issues that we discover in our own life, when it's pointed, when either by somebody else or the conviction of our own heart, these these things that are not of the kingdom of God the natural flesh unction is right, I'm gonna do something about this. What was that list that said that, that that cures? I'm gonna be kind. All right, I'll put on I'll I'll do kindness, I'll put on kindness. Charity, I love that right. I'll I'll do some charitable act. These all they're all good. The person who's actually receiving the kindness is not gonna go, oh stop it. You know, the person who's going to receive the act of love with the charity is not going to go, nah, unless there's pride within their own heart to receive charity. But it's not something that you can put on to try and change the inner attitude. The inner attitude will actually still remain. But these virtues, this character nature of God, becomes something that I will do, says the Lord, in you. The very thing that he is looking for, as Greg spoke the other week, Psalm 51, Psalm 51, verse 6 Surely you desire truth in the inner part, wisdom in the inmost place, right here. 16 and 17 It's not sacrifices and the blood of bulls that you want, it's a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Then I'm open to allowing the word, the, the living word, the Lord, to do that work within me. But it's not until I'm at that point. Lord, search my heart, humble before you, broken before you. I can't make this change myself. I recognize I'm rude to people. I'm recon- I recognize I just won't speak to that person or I just won't acknowledge them. There's an issue in my own heart that is not right. It says, be holy for I am holy. How is this holiness? If I'm going to ignore the very one that's that I find something stirring in my heart that I'm aggrieved with, I don't have a problem with you, brother. <laughs> you know that I might sow discord among the brothers because I'm not secure in who I am. These becomes issues of the kingdom of the world that are being fleshed out in me, not the life that comes the good news that's contained in the kingdom of God. So what did Jesus say when he stood up in the temple and he was handed the scroll that had, uh, of Isaiah? He stood up and he read from Isaiah 60, verse 1. Not that they would have been labeled like that. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness, and release from darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolled it up, sat down and said, This very day the Scripture is fulfilled in your sight. That he was the answer. He's the cure to the problem of Isaiah chapter 6. He's the one that has come now to actually bring the healing to the heart and will do that work within us. When two people confronted Jesus and he expected more of them than they gave, um... when Nicodemus came to the Lord and he was asking about the kingdom of God. Jesus said, surely you understand you have to be born again. And Nicodemus' answer, now Jesus is expecting he actually understands. So when Nicodemus goes with us, it's like a mystery. What? Why, why are you even going there? What, surely, what, how can a man crawl, crawl inside his mother's womb and be, and be born again? So what, what are you going on about? A man must be born of water through a natural birth to come into a physical realm, and then he because we 're born dead in our sins, but then he must be born again spiritually, born of the spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. This is something that has to be a reality check for us to go: Am I born again of the spirit of God? What is the lifestyle that is actually being expressed from me that comes? from a life that's lived in the kingdom of God as opposed to a life in the world. And for the teacher that came and said to him, um, what is the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, Jesus combines scriptures out of two books, out of Deuteronomy and out of Leviticus, and puts them together. He says there's no greater command than this. And the teacher says, "Well, well, well said." I mean, even that's a bit weird. "Well said, God," <laughs> like God needs a pat on the back. It's a well said. And then Jesus' response to him, "This is, you're not far from the kingdom." Hmm. Why didn't he say to him he had that information, or oh, well, you're in the kingdom. Is because he had an intellectual knowledge; it's a head knowledge. He had read the scriptures. He knew Isaiah. He knew Deuteronomy. He knew Leviticus, the teacher. And as he, he goes on, and Jesus goes on and speaks to the issue, which was, which deal with the issues of the heart, which was still an issue for the teacher, because he had to accept that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter ten. I hope and I pray that you'll go back and look at these scriptures and meditate on them and look and see the, the steps of the path from Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah chapter ten, Isaiah sixty through to um sorry, I haven't got the actual reference here, through to Luke four, fourteen to twenty-one, where Jesus says uh, reads from the scroll and says this scripture's fulfilled in your midst, that he's now proclaiming the good news that the kingdom, an inner reality, an operating mechanism. I saw something on, on you, YouTube um, just yesterday and a guy questioning about, well, you know, does God exist? Who made God? And the guy who who gave answers to that was really quite good. But one thing he said, that computer there, the guy who created the computer, he's not inside the computer. He exists outside the computer. He's not running around putting little letters on the monitor. He's outside it. He's created it. And the point was that God's outside time and space. He's much bigger more than we are but there's one thing that actually does take place to enter into the kingdom of God is that God, the hope of glory, now resides in here. Now that should arrest us. It certainly is arresting me because that means there's the power of God, Jesus Christ himself, residing in me, has the power to overcome. He is secure for all of those things that once marked my life that now I exist outside of that kingdom of the world reality, although I walk in it. You know, I'm Not dumb, i still hit the door if I walk into it. But I live and exist in a kingdom of God reality where there's a hope and a joy and a love. It's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. These things are of the kingdom. They won't be rocked out of the kingdom. So if the kingdom is firmly established in here, I'm not going to be rocked when I'm confronted with an issue of my mind that needs, still needs transforming. I've learnt to get on my knee before the Lord and ask him, Lord, is that something that you're wanting to deal with me? Because your kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, of peace, and of joy. And that it's, it's inherent within you, so it's in me. I pray, I pray that that becomes a greater living reality for each one of us. That the power of God and the kingdom of God, the power and authority of God, a realm that is not somewhere in outer space but is right here with us, is an ever-increasing manifestation within our own lives. Father, I pray that it is your will. I love the cry in Song of Songs where in the very final chapters, the beloved is crying out, place me as a seal on, on your heart, as a band on your arm, close with you, out of an intimate relationship with you. The heart cries out. Then, Father, as the heart is crying out now for a greater, closer, intimate relationship with you. No fear, no anxieties, but pure love, And faith and trust in you, in your righteousness, in your peace, and in your joy, filling our hearts, that the greatest reality of the kingdom of God becomes our living reality, and that as we as we discover, Lord, that we are in the kingdom of God, in your Son, we come into oneness. Not something we try and manufacture and try and create, but something that we find ourselves in. Father, I pray that your living word does work within us. The word be, as Philippians says, that we willingly bow our knee and with our tongues confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Saviour, our King, our Groom, to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen.